0: It is for sure good to be here tonight, and I think it's a, uh, who. it's just good to be in this place. And I was trying to think about what God would want me to share tonight, and as I was praying into it and as I was thinking about it, this one word just kept popping in my mind over and over and over again, and that word was Disappointment. And I don't know why that word was popping in my mind, but it just continually popped in my mind over and over and over again, that word disappointment. Now, I've had several moments in my life where I've been disappointed, right? And I know you have too. Like, uh, we'll, we'll just say some, some, some things where it's like, okay, when, when the Bengals actually finally make it to the Super Bowl and they lose... Like, that's disappointing, right? Like, um, I know that I actually invested into uh, watching the Lakers all season long, and uh, they had a losing record all year long, and they finally make it. They make it to the—actually, they made it to the Western Conference Finals only to lose, so that was disappointing. Um, I know that uh, it's disappointing when I— Uh, You you ever you ever like order something from Amazon and then like it's supposed to be here that day and like it you you actually go out and it's it's like oh sorry it's going to be delayed like anybody ever had those moments and that's disappointing isn't it you ever been disappointing when you're looking forward to like a really good meal and uh, that meal actually ends up being terrible (laughs) and you like spend all day or maybe you like oh I'm going to make a nice meal and then you end up making it and it gets burnt or it just tastes bland and it's like oh this was really disappointing right. I think we all have disappointments. I know that um, during COVID, uh, we we had just actually bought our house in November or October of 2019, and uh, we had bought our house, so right, it was right before COVID had hit, and so thankfully we got that before everything skyrocketed. And uh, actually, when, when everything hit and everything shut down, uh, I think me and Rihanna kind of went on this, um, like uh Facebook marketplace binge where it's like we're just like trying to just order everything we can and just buy things and go get things especially when we have a new house right so um we like to get on the auction website BidFTA and uh we always you know find some really awesome deals on there right and then um so one time we uh found we was in need of a bed for my son Riker right and we find this really awesome it's like a cabin bed right it's a loft bed it's got uh You know, it's got a little ladder that comes up. It's got like two uh, wooden drawers that come down. It's it's got a cool roof on it. It's a it's a cool bed. It's a it's a really awesome bed. And he was super excited about it. Well, I've got this thing on Bid FTA, right? And we win it, right? Because it says appears new. We win it for nineteen dollars. This was nineteen actually nineteen dollars and sixty cents. We won it for nineteen dollars and sixty cents. And then I'm super pumped. Like, oh my goodness, this is a thousand dollar bed, right? And I'm pumped, like, this is amazing, we see the jackpot, and I go there to pick it up, and you know, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, anytime you go there, it's like, where is this thing, what am I doing here, and like, you just look through all of this rubble, it's, just, it's basically what it is, and then finally, I found it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this, this box does not seem like it could fit that bed in there, and I, I, I'm like, you know, digging around, I'm trying to find other boxes, and there's no other boxes, And it's, it's literally a box about, you know, this big. And I'm like, great. So I get home. I, I, uh, I take it out of the package only to realize all it was, was a drawer that goes under the bed. So I was like, man, that's super disappointing. And I'm like, man, I know Riker's going to be disappointed about this because he really wanted this new bed. And I was excited to give it to him. And, you know, I had to just say, well, sorry, you don't have a bed. And, uh, but, you know, actually during that time, you know, since I, I was disappointed, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to look until I find it on Marketplace. And I actually did find one, only it was in Broadway, Virginia, which was 426 miles away to their location. I'm like, oh, well, there's, it's, it's COVID. So I went and drove like seven or eight hours there and then all the way back in one day. But we got him to bed. So, yeah, you can clap for that. Now, I want to share on a more serious note, I, I, I think that I understand and I think that we all understand that disappointment, it's a real thing, isn't it? And I'm sure that a lot of you have heard um, our Pastor Aaron say uh, several times from this stage, right, that last year, um, some of our staff and leadership, we went we went to this conference and and God just poured out in a mighty way and, and people got filled, people got like gifts, like it was amazing. And I was one of the people that was there. Right. And so I'm here and I'm watching all this take place. Like what is happening? Right. Like it was crazy to see what God was doing in this moment. But, um, and it's like, I, I've been around these people nine years of my life. It's like, I, I trust them. Like, this is so crazy. And God, what are you doing right now? But the problem is, is, is when everyone, if if you've heard Aaron say that some of our staff experiences. Some of our leadership experienced this. And I, however, was not one of those people that experienced that. And to be honest, that's not an easy thing to, to walk through. It's not an easy thing when, when God's moving in other people's lives and it just feels like, God, what about me? What's wrong with me, Lord? And, and so we begin to be disappointed. And I know. I know that a lot of our uh, like like this is not a new story to our our staff, and uh, but but it was it was it was so disappointing, and I'm like, man, God, I, I'm just so disappointed. And um, to be honest, when you're a pastor of a church and God's doing mighty things, and uh, you see Matt Lute that's like full of social anxiety, and now he just hugs and loves everybody, it's like God definitely did something. <laughs> Like like, there's no doubt about it, and you can just see it. You, when you're around him, it's just a different person. It's a different presence. It's not fear and anxiety and worry. It's all love. It's the Father's love, and Matt talks about that so many times. It's like when you experience that, it's, it's like there's no denying that this is God. But when you're a pastor and when you're, when you're trying to lead through disappointment, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's not easy to lead when you're disappointed. It's not easy. So what do you do when you pray? What do you do when you've been prayed over? What do you do when you ask? What do you do in the moments where you cry yourself to sleep and just thinking something's wrong with you? What do you do when you lose sleep at night? What do you do when nothing happens? And maybe you have, the, have had some same type of experiences in your life. Maybe you've asked God for certain things to happen and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you've experienced some things that I've experienced of of disappointment, but maybe not in the way that I have, but I, I, I know that every person in this room at one time in their life has experienced and has walked through disappointments. But maybe for you, it wears a different mask because disappointment comes in multiple different ways. Like maybe you thought like, By now, I would be healed of this thing. Like, like, like. By now, maybe, maybe you thought, like, by now, I, I I would have thought I would have had a baby by now. Like, like, by now, I I really thought that as I've prayed and I've cried out to God that my daughter will be saved, that my son will be saved. By now, you thought your marriage would be in a good, healthy place. By now, you, you, you thought that when you went in and it's like, man, I just had my third job interview and you still didn't get the job. And someone else that seems way more underqualified than you, has less experience than you, they end up getting the job. Your, your, your kid continues to make poor decision after poor decision. They rebel against you. They don't want to listen to anything you have to say. I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I think we can all relate to disappointment. We can all relate to struggles. And I want to look at a Bible story where disappointment happens. What do you do when disappointment happens? What do you do when your hope is deferred? I want to read Luke chapter 5 starting with verse 1. And it says this. So it was as the multitude pressed about him, ...to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genasaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And as he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat... When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. I want to talk to you tonight about the dangers of disappointment. Because we've all been disappointed But if we're not careful, that disappointment will become a slippery slope in our life that will lead to sometimes a very dark place that we never, ever intended to go. So as we look at this scene, I I would have... This would have been a very normal setting because what men would do when they would come in from a night of fishing, they would be by the lake, by, by the, um, this was actually the Sea of Galilee too. They actually call it this, the same thing. So the Lake of Gennacherat, Sea of Galilee, it's kind of uh, the same place from my understanding. So you look at this scene and it was kind of a normal thing. And at first glance, it just kind of seems like everything's ordinary, right? Like this is, this was their livelihood. <laughs> they had put all their hope in fishing, this is how they provided for their family. But here they are on the lake, and they're washing they're washing their nets. And I know that I can relate to a bad night of fishing. Like uh, I, I know that uh, I love. I haven't got to do it in a long time, probably because I have four kids and uh, no life. Um, but. Um, I used to go catfishing all the time, right? I loved catfishing. I still do love it when I get to go. But the thing with catfishing is is it's a process, right? You have to go out. You have to, like, buy these uh, floaters, which is, like, a big bobber. They're about this large. Um, you got to buy expensive floaters for your poles. you got to buy expensive poles because they're heavier-duty poles. Um, you have to get um, uh, little swivels to put on there. You have to get little beads. I don't even know what they even do um, that's, like, on there as well. And then, like, below the um, – Uh, below the swivel, there's like another line that comes down and you have like a big hook that connects to that. And then after you get all that done, you have to buy a glow stick for your, for your fishing pole. And then you take that glow stick and then you put it on the end of your floater. And then when you cast it out at night, you leave it, sit there and you watch it all night long. Right. And so that's what you do when you, when you go catfishing like a pay lake or river or something like that. And you're sitting there and you're watching it all night long. And when you've invested all that money and all that time and you sit there all night long and you're getting eat up by bugs and there's like dead fish laying on the shore, it stinks. You stink. And you're sitting there all night and then when the morning comes, you sit there all night and you've caught nothing. That's a pretty disappointing thing. But I can imagine how tired that that would, be, tiring that that would be to throw a net all night long. You see, because back in the Bible days, it was not a a, a fishing pole. How they would catch fish is, you, you see that they were washing their net. Oh, great. This is not good. There we go. Great. Got it. Perfect. So I just want to kind of show you a second. So when in that time, nets that look something similar to this right and so what they would do is they would take the net they would spread it out right and then they would cast it out in there I just have my coil what they would do is they would cast it out and they would reel it back in now I'm sure this would get heavy and this would get tiring doing this all night long and then you get it back you probably got debris in there and all that stuff and then you just cast again and then you reel it back in could you imagine doing this all night long and all you do is just come up empty? That's a pretty disappointing thing, especially when it's like my family's relying on this. I, I got to make sure that I, I, I get some fish. And these men were on the bank the next morning. And they were washing their nets. They were cleaning their nets. And some of you have experienced in this room, you've experienced great disappointment in your life. Maybe disappointment that happened from your parents when you were young, disappointment from things that you had no control over in your life. You've experienced great disappointment, but, and and maybe you keep on praying, like, God, just please heal me of this disease, Lord. Please heal me of this addiction, Lord, because it's ruined my family, it's ruined everything in my life, Lord. Please heal me of this. You keep on praying to be delivered, to be set free from that thing. You, you, you pray for more of God. However, the only thing that you do every time that you cast out is you just come up with just an empty net. And I get it, right? Like I'm, I'm basically legally blind in my one eye. A lot of you didn't know that, but I'm, I have like a lazy eye on my left eye, and I'm legally blind. If you would see my glasses, I don't like to wear them very often because it's like a magnifying glass on one side with just nothing on the other. So I look like this when I walk around. And so I hate wearing it, right? Because it just looks weird. Um, but, but there's been multiple times where I've like, you know, someone might have spoken a word like, hey, I just feel like God's um, healing people that's got blurry vision in their left eye. And it's like, oh, that's me, right? And so you go up and, and you go up to get pray like, all right, Lord, this is the time I believe you're going to heal me. And then uh, it's like, hey, check it out. And then you check it out. It's, it's still not there. And then it happens again. It's, it's still not there. still not there. And you believe God and you keep casting your net and believing and all you do is come up with an empty net. Maybe you're here and you've prayed for more of God and it seems like every time you do, all that you receive is just an empty net. Maybe you're here and maybe you're like, man, I... I really, God, I'm, I'm getting older now, and I, I really would love to just have a baby, but I'm getting older, and it's not happened yet. I've had miscarriage after miscarriage, Lord, and all right, God, we'll we'll try this one more time. We'll, we'll, we'll try this procedure, or I'll get on this medicine or whatever, and you cast it out. And again, you come up empty. You keep showing up early for work. You're the one that shows up early. You stay later when all the other guys, they want to party on the weekend. You're saying, hey, I'll take those hours. And you try to work on Saturday to provide extra for your family. And you're doing everything you can. And then that other per- the, the, the one that, that d- just doesn't seem to care about the job is the one that ends up getting the job anyways. And you get laid off, and it can be frustrating. It can be hard. Some of you have came forward for healing more times than you can count, and all you do is just come up with an empty net. You keep trying maybe to get that company off the ground where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to work really hard, and you've worked so hard, but, all, but you're actually just getting more debt, and you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're just spinning your wheels, and it just seems like disappointment after disappointment, and it just seems like all you do ever is just come up with an empty net. You might wonder how many more times do I have to keep casting? How many more times do I have to keep showing up? How many more times am I going to have to pray for my friend that doesn't know God? How, how, how many times, God? I wonder if the reason that we keep getting disappointed in this life is because. We keep basing it on our expectations, and we keep calling it faith. You see, a lot of times we put our hopes all in one outcome, right? Like, hey, I know this is the way that's going to happen. This is how it has to happen. And if it don't happen that way, we're just ready to give up. And we put all our eggs in that one basket, in that one hope, in that one dream. And when that falls through, we're just ready to throw in the towel, like "All right, I just quit." I wonder if we're basing our expect- basing our, our circumstances on our expectations, and we're calling it faith. The thing that I have learned, though, is that sometimes in life, disappointment's actually necessary. Sometimes it's necessary to be disappointed. For instance, I'm going to guess some of you guys can raise your hand on this or maybe say amen or maybe shout around this room. But how many of you guys can remember a time in your life where you was in like a really bad relationship and that relationship ended and you were just crushed and devastated? Like, oh, the world's over. Like, my life's over. It's ending. Only to realize that later on, like, God actually had a much better person in mind for you. Sometimes disappointment's necessary. Like, how, how many of you didn't get that job that you had wanted? Like, you prayed for that job, and you, like, people prayed for you for that interview, and, and you go there for that interview, and you go there to get that job, and you don't get the job, and you're crushed in the moment. But actually, when you look back at it now, a few years later, you're like, thank God I didn't get that job because now I'm in a much better place. I'm in a much better environment. And I'm so thankful now that when I look back that I can say, Lord, you you knew exactly what you were doing the whole time. Sometimes, guys, in our life, disappointment is necessary. But the thing also is that there's no potential, no potential for hope without the risk of Disappointment. There's no hope for glory if you don't risk disappointment. There's no hope for the healing if you don't risk disappointment. If you don't risk stepping out and believing that God can do that. And that's a hard thing to do. But but the thing is, you can't win a prize unless you show up for the race. Maybe you've been single for a long time and and you just have, have just shut that part down because you've had disappointment after disappointment. You can't ever find the one if you don't ever go on a date. I think a lot of times that we feel like the best way to avoid disappointment is by avoidance, is by isolation. And that's where the enemy wants you to get to. Because all that, what I've realized in my life is when you isolate and when you um, (laughs) avoid uh, certain things or you just try to avoid disappointment all the time, what I've realized in my life is that when you do that, all that does is lead to greater disappointment. And so don't do that because it's just going to lead to greater disappointment. A few years ago uh, we went to CIY, uh, which is our Christ and Youth Conference where we take our high school students every year. And it they were having a dodgeball tournament, right? And I, I was asked like, "Hey, will you be on our team?" I'm like, "Sure." And you know, I'm I'm like, I think I was like 36 at the time and completely out of shape, dad bod. You you know you know that. Um, I don't have to tell you that. Um, you can just tell by looking. Anyways, um, <laughs> there's like hundreds of really athletic students, and there's all these teams. There's like I don't know, like 40 40 teams or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, and they picked me on our team. Some of our students did. And uh, we win the first game. I'm like, wow, we just won. We win the second game. We win the third game. We keep winning until we make it to the championship round. And here I am in this moment, a rocky moment. You know, I looked like I was down. I looked like the underdog. And every one of my teammates got out. And I'm the last one left. And there's it's me against three other people. I throw. I hit the one kid out. Another boy throws it midair. I catch the ball. And as, as he's thrown, I catch the ball. I release my ball, and I hit the boy in the leg, and I get all three out, and we won the championship. Woo! That's all right. You guys can just praise for that. But I... I I know that's kind of a funny story, but I share that because I think some of us in this room and some of us um, in our lives have conditioned to only participate in, in something that we know that we can win. Because a lot of you in this room, you you, you never do anything unless you get something in your turn. You never... Um, <laughs> You you won't you won't go get someone else a gift unless they get you a gift. I that I think some of us have become conditioned to participate in something that we can I had no business winning that, right? At all. But man, I'm glad that I risked it and I have that story to tell, you know? But the thing about disappointment is that it's the necessary flip side to hope. In our life. And if you don't hope. You can't have disappointment. (laughs) And if you don't risk being disappointed. Then you'll never hope. Think about this. If you've been hurt by friends or people. The easy thing to do is avoid friendships altogether. Because it's just too hard. And you isolate yourself to avoid that disappointment. Right? When you per Pursue maybe your wife or your husband and all you do is you get rejection after rejection. Eventually you'll just stop pursuing because it's like, well, what's the point? Because because it hurts too bad. And you try to avoid that disappointment altogether. You say things like, I'm not going to reach out to them again because they've hurt me too much. They let me down. They hurt my feelings. Guys, it can be tiring casting your net over and over and over again coming up with nothing to show for it. A lot of you are casting your nets out in life. You've got great hopes, you've got great dreams, but all you do is come up with an empty net. And if we're not careful, that disappointment can go to a darker place in our life. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, a person can only take so much disappointment, right? You guys know that. When your hope always gets postponed, it can literally just make you sick, can't it? And some of you know what I'm talking about because it seems like life, your whole entire life has just been filled with one disappointment after another. And disappointment, if we allow it to to eat at us long enough, it'll become like a disease. Because hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It can take away your ability to hope and dream. Because when you deal with disappointment for so long, hope deferred can lead to depression. Anxiety, actual physical sickness in your body. When we wait for a good thing for so long that the desire and the expectations, they eventually turn into hopelessness. We become spiritually dried up and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. And you guys, a lot of you guys in this room, you know what I'm talking about because you've had a lot of seasons in your life of disappointments. You can think of the time where you just wanted to be in your room alone all the time. You wanted to to put an extra blanket up over the curtain so it was extra dark so that you didn't have to go out and you would lock yourself in your room so that your kids didn't bother you, your husband didn't bother you, or your wife didn't bother you, and you just stayed in that dark place. You know what I'm talking about. You felt numb and you stopped participating. You let the laundry pile up for weeks You become full of anger and jealousy in your life. And you literally just feel like it's hopeless. And some of you know exactly what that's like because maybe you're there right now. Disappointment, if you don't realize in your life how to check disappointment. If you don't realize, it will spread into every single area of your life. A lot of times, it'll come out as my second point so, so, so we, we, can have disappointment, but if we're not careful, the disappointment will turn into doubt. Peter, when approached by Jesus, he had this to say, let's look back at Luke five, four through five. It says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But here's what Simon says. Simon said to him, Master, we've toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. When you've been in a season of disappointment for so long, it is so easy to become a cynical person. And I think a lot of times we can do that with our words, our actions. Just when you walk in the room, it just like puts a damper on the room. You could just kind of feel that, like, oh, like, geez. Do it with our actions. And the ways that we just stop doing any, anything. I think of someone in the Bible that experienced disappointment, um, great disappointment, was uh, a man by the name of Zachariah and Elizabeth. You see, Zachariah and Elizabeth were trying to have a child for years. <laughs> And, and every single day, they would go uh, five times a year. They would, they would go to the temple, and see and, and Zechariah was a priest. And so he would go there, and he would atone for their sins. He would, he would uh, take the offering. He would light the candles. He would set out all the, all the stuff, all the fixings. He would do that five times a year. And this was 15 miles just to walk one way from where he lived and 15 miles back. And he's going and, he, and he's, he's trying to, to do his duty. But, but after a while, you, you, you can imagine getting tired. You can imagine as he gets older and seeing all of his friends, that their children are now grown up. But now, their children now have grandchildren. And, and, and so, you got Zachariah, he's, he's in his 90s. And Elizabeth, I love what it says here. Because one day, things change. Because Zachariah walks in and, the, and an angel, Gabriel, was there. And and here's what what the angel said. He basically said, Zechariah, you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name John. And here was Zechariah's response in Luke 1.18. I love what it says. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, how how can I be sure of this? Because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You see, he was old enough to say, to to know better than to say his wife was old. (laughs) So here he is in his 90s, and, and his, his wife is, is in her late 80s. And you can see the doubt right there, right? And so the angel basically is like, all right, you want to do that? Then he basically said, all right, then you can't talk until he's born. And so he couldn't say anything else until he was born. He doubted God. Because I'm sure years and years after disappointment, it's like, all right, well, we're old now. We, we, we've given up on that dream a long time ago. We, we've stopped believing for that a long time ago. And I think a lot of you guys have let your dreams die because you've given up on it because you've experienced so much disappointment and you're like, what's the point? Not only Zachariah, but I think of Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press for his life, right? He's hiding he's in this dark wine press and he's, he's down there and he's threshing wheat. He's, he's down there and he's in this wine press He's defeated. The enemy's taken over. They're scared. They're running for their life. He'd experienced so much disappointment and loss. And he says this in Judges 6.15. And and he said to him, so the the, the angel comes and he says, hey, get up, mighty warrior, and go, and you're going to basically defeat this army. And so here's what he says. And he said to him, this was Gideon speaking, "Uh, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. There's another man by the name of Thomas, and this man I think gets a bad rap because he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas, you know? So you got Thomas in John uh, 20 25, it says, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, meaning Thomas, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I can relate to Thomas a lot in this moment, right? Because let's be honest, right? I think Thomas, as I mentioned, he gets a bad rap. He gets, a, he gets called the doubter. But the only reason that everybody else believed in this moment is because they were there to experience it. He says, unless I, unless I experience this, then it's, I just don't believe. And I think sometimes I'm the same way. Maybe you are too, that, that if you don't experience something, it's hard to believe. It's hard to get excited about it. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, doubts is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking there's another moment in Matthew 28, 16 through 17. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So to give you, let me set this up for you. So this is where Jesus is, is getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's already came back to life, right? He's there and, and they see him like shoot off into heaven, whatever that looked like. I don't know. Like, like I kind of imagine like uh, Iron Man or something like, like it's like he's going, I don't know, maybe not. But here he is. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty good about my doubt, that they were there and see Jesus ascend up into heaven and they still doubt Imagine that, seeing the risen Christ, seeing him come back from the dead, seeing him ascend up into heaven, and they still doubt. Because I'll be honest, there are times when I can feel so close to God and still doubt. There are people here tonight, and you've just become so full of doubt, you've stopped believing, Maybe you're here tonight and, and you become cynical in your life and you begin to say things like, you know, I've walked, I've walked through those prayer lines and nothing's happened. I heard that word of knowledge before. I'm not going up there again and being humiliated. People that never get married, they become cynical. Oh, you know me. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. we begin to speak that negativity over our life we begin to speak doubt over our life a lot of times we bring it on ourselves maybe maybe i'm just not meant to be a mom maybe i'm just not smart enough maybe i'm just not worthy enough maybe i'm just not good enough what's the point every time i try to lose weight i just gain it back anyways you see peter was an experienced fisherman Listen, Jesus, I appreciate the offer. But I've toiled all night. I'm tired. I've done washed my net. I've caught nothing. There's been times where, if I'm honest, that I've stood up in worship and I felt nothing. And I've had the thought, is this even real? And don't act like you're all holy now because I'm sure you've had those moments as well. There's been moments when I've prayed for people and they start crying and thanking the Lord. And it's like, oh my goodness, my whole leg is healed. Thank you so much. And they're like crying and I'm like, great for you. And I still doubt it. You know what I mean? Like I, I can see it right there in front of my eyes and yet I still doubt. You know, there's been days where I've doubted my calling, my purpose. There have been days where I think, you know, I'm just not a good enough dad. not a good enough husband. I think a lot of times we allow our circumstances to make us feel like we're the expert in the situation. And we don't allow anybody to speak into that. Don't you dare tell me about this situation because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've endured. And so therefore, you'll block out anybody that's trying to help you and to speak, speak something into your life and help you out of that situation. But you become the expert because of your circumstances. It's like, oh, I'm just the expert on this. And so I, I don't care what you say. And we block everything out, every other voice. But the thing is that I've learned is if we handle our doubts properly, they can actually cause us to dig deeper. It can actually cause us to seek God for greater understanding. Because when you doubt, because you're all going to doubt. It's just, it's just human life. We all doubt, right? When you doubt, you can feel so distant to God, can't you? Whew. But God is not distant in your doubts. When you doubt, press in. Keep seeking the Lord. I don't fully understand this, but God, all right, I'm going to dive into scripture. I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm really disappointed right now, but I'm going to keep diving in to figure it out. Sometimes our doubt can be a good thing because it it, it can cause us to push in deeper to the presence of God. It can cause us to go deeper. It can cause us to say, you know what? I don't understand this. I don't get this. This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to keep seeking Jesus on this. And you may be in a valley right now to here tonight. I'm, I'm sure that some of you are in a dark valley. You're in a dark place. But I think what we have to do is we have to have the perspective of, of yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When, 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 when you see that, it doesn't say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and stay there. Yeah, You're walking through it. This is just a season in your life. You're not meant to stay in the valley. Because I promise you, if you just keep pressing in, if you just keep keep holding on, if you just keep casting that net, if you just keep going, eventually God's going to bring a mountaintop in your life. Eventually, God's going to bring that healing in your life. Eventually, your son or daughter is going to get saved. Eventually, it's going to happen. Yes. But right now you're going through it. And it feels like a shadow of death valley, a dark place. When you doubt, just keep on walking. You're not out of the valley yet. Just keep walking. And my last point is, if we allow disappointment, if, if it's left unchecked long enough, if we doubt long enough, the enemy can use it in a way to where we want to depart. Depart. give up. Because there's only so much disappointment we can take. There's only so much doubt that we can take to where eventually we are ready just to give up and walk away. These men have casted their nets all night long. Yet we know in this scripture, when we read this, that these men had stopped trying. Why do I know that? Because it says at the very first part of that scripture, what's it say? It says, When Jesus was there, they were on the shore and they were washing their nets, which means they'd stopped trying. They'd given up. You know, sometimes ministry can be a hard thing. Sometimes the ministry can be a lonely place because we try to put on a smile. We try to act like we have it all together. But Sometimes it can be hard. And sometimes I've had moments in my ministry where it's like, maybe maybe the easier thing to do would just be to just stop and just wash my net and give up. Because maybe it was a moment where I spent a lot of time on a message and I look back and in the third row and I see a student going. Or maybe it was a moment where I look and I see three girls that have, I'm in mean like a really serious moment, you know, and I look back and like three girls are like texting and they're Snapchatting each other like this. It's like. Or moments where I've had to show up and I just had one guy. One guy in my small group. It's like, Lord, how do I just keep on going? Maybe I'm just not relevant enough. Maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm just not equipped enough. Maybe I'm just not funny enough. I don't know. Maybe I'm not weird enough. I don't know. I thought I was pretty weird, but maybe I'm just not enough. But you have those moments where You invest in a student and you've invested in them for years and you've grown a a great relationship with that student. And then one day they just don't come back to youth group. Moments where others are being touched by God and all you do is you just feel empty and numb. I've had moments where I didn't want to get out of bed. I've had moments where It would have been just easiest just to walk away or it felt in the moment that that would have been the easier thing to do because the disappointment was too much. The doubts were too much. And if we're being honest tonight, there are people in this room tonight. There are people maybe sitting right beside of you that are on the shore of life right now and they're washing their nets. They're giving up because you've toiled for so long you fought for so long and you're holding on by a thread of hope. You've tried to make your marriage work, but but here you are. You're, you're, you're over here washing your net, to be honest. You honestly have checked out a long, long time ago. You don't feel God's presence like he used to. You can't recall the last time that you've slept in the same bed as your spouse. You're here and you're just going through the motions. You put on a smile, but secretly deep down in your heart, you're just washing your net. So when you have those thoughts like Peter did, when you have those moments in life where you're ready to just give up, when you're ready to walk away, what do you do? When you're struggling to hear from God or to receive from the Lord, what do you do when it just feels like all you do is just hear silence? What do you do? Peter, in this moment, he had fished, he had toiled all night, and he was over here and he was washing his net, which means he was ready to pack it up and head home. In that moment, he was ready to walk away. Because he had spent all that he had. He had worked too hard. He had toiled too hard. He was disappointed. He doubted. He had his net washed and he was ready to depart. But you see, here's what I didn't read to you. I had kind of stopped part of that verse earlier. Let's go back to verse five because we didn't actually read all of verse five. It actually says this, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Praise Guys, when you are ready to give up, when you have faced so much disappointment, When the enemy's saying, give up, quit. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. It's over. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You just say, nevertheless. Do you know what that word nevertheless means? It actually means in spite of that. I haven't received my healing yet, but nevertheless. I've not had that baby yet, but nevertheless. I don't understand all that God is doing, but nevertheless. I may never get married, but nevertheless. Things may never work out with my wife, but nevertheless. They brought their friend to be killed. By Jesus, they carried him on a stretcher to be healed by Jesus on a a cot. And they get there, and the whole house is surrounded by people, and they can't get to Jesus. And they thought in that moment they could have walked away like, oh, well, we tried. But no, they didn't do that. They said, nevertheless, you know what they did? They ripped the roof off of the house to get them to Jesus. Nevertheless, we're going to get him healed anyways. We're going to fight through the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood, she had tried everything she had for 12 years. She had this issue where she was hemorrhaging blood. Had spent all she had on people. But nevertheless, she pushed through the crowd and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. Nevertheless, guys, we got to get that kind of faith in our life. To say, nevertheless... I may be down right now, but nevertheless, I've went up there and I've received prayer for this same thing a thousand times, but nevertheless, I'm gonna keep getting prayer until it happens. I'm gonna keep praying until my breakthrough comes. I'm not gonna stop praying until my son or daughter comes home. I don't feel like getting out of bed, but nevertheless, in spite of that, I'm getting up and I'm going to church anyways. I might have to keep coming to church by myself, but nevertheless, it hasn't happened yet, but nevertheless, I can imagine Jesus, when he's going to the cross, he realizes what he's going to have to do for us. He realizes the pain and the suffering and how his closest friends are going to reject him and they're going to abandon him in his greatest hour of need. I'm sure he knew all that. I'm sure he knew that he was going to have to die a Roman death. I'm sure he knew that he was going to have to be tied to a post and be whipped and beaten by a cat of nine tails. I'm sure he knew that, hey, I'm going to have to walk up this lonely hill of Golgotha. I'm going to get kicked and I'm going to get spit on. People's going to laugh at me. They're going to say, crucify him, crucify him. They're going to make fun of me and they're going to say, king of the Jews. I'm sure he's walking up that lonely hill and he's walking that long walk up to Golgotha carrying that heavy cross and the carry, that heavy burden. And they nail him to his hands and to his feet. I'm sure Jesus knew all that. I'm sure Jesus looked down and he knew that you were going to be disappointed. I'm sure that Jesus looked down and he knew you were going to have doubts. He knew that you were going to have frustrations. He, knew there was, he, he, he looked down and he's like, there's going to be a moment in their life where they're going to give up. But he knew all of that and he died on the cross just for you. He knew all of that and he said, Nevertheless, I'm going to die for them anyways. Even if only one person ever receives me, then I'm going to die anyways for them. Nevertheless. You can imagine after Jesus dies on the cross that the enemy thinks that he's won. he's laughing and mocking like he's won the war. And then he hears keys jingling behind him. Okay. You thought you won. I did die on that cross, but nevertheless, I just took the keys of death, hell and the grave. And I just conquered all of that. (laughs) Nevertheless, You see, this was, it goes on, and this was Peter's greatest statement of faith ever. He could have walked away in that moment. This was his greatest statement of faith and his trust in Jesus. He goes on after he says, nevertheless, he says, at your word, at your word, there was light. At your word, the sun, moon, stars, and planets were created. At your word, life came to this earth. At your word, creation is held together and sustained. At your word, empires rise and fall. History unfolds his great plan. Then it goes on in, chapter, in verse six and it says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. After he said, nevertheless, they catch this. And after he obeys Jesus, he goes in this moment and they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I wonder what would have happened if Peter said, I've toiled all night long. I've caught nothing. My nets are washed. I'm going home. I quit. What would have happened if we had a different story there? What would have happened is that he would have never been in the upper room and saw tongues upon them like fire. He would have never been in a moment to where he preached his first sermon and 3,000 people were saved and he rescued them from a devil's hell. He would have never experienced a moment to where he actually raised a person from the dead. He would have never experienced all these healings from from lame people getting up and walked. He would have never ever had a moment to where he was just walking by and people were just touching his shadow and getting healed. But because of Peter's obedience... Other fishermen received a blessing as well. Because of his obedience, he changed other people's destiny. Don't depart. Don't give up. Because one day, God's going to answer your prayer. And when he does, it's going to bless so many people around you. When God delivers you and he sets you free, it's going to help so many people. You know, it gets hard sometimes, but I can't quit. I've come too far. I've experienced too much of God to quit now. I wonder what happen if, if I would have walked away. I would have never been able to watch addictions break free from some of my students. If I would have walked away, if I would have quit, I would have never seen a woman be healed that I prayed over and see her jump and shout for joy and take off running. If I would have quit, I would have never had the opportunity to go to CIY this year. And because of that, I got to invite a girl that that didn't have the money to go. And because of that, I was able to invite her and uh, she ends up getting saved and baptized. And here's what she said to me in that moment. Because I sent her a message and just let her know how proud of her I was, you know, and I'm just glad of all that God's doing in her life. And here's what she said to me She said, Thank you so much. I've built such a great relationship with Christ and have dove so deep in my faith. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to go to CIY, it saved my life. Guys, you can't quit. You can't give up. Your children need you. Your spouse needs you. This church needs you. And you might be old in this room, but the thing is, is, if you're not dead, then God's not done. He's still got more for you. I wonder tonight how many people's lives have been changed in your life because a long time ago, You went through a dark season and a dark place, but you said nevertheless. And because you made that decision, you can look around and say, man, look at all the victories. If I wouldn't have said that moment, my my wife would have never came to faith. My husband would have never came to faith. I would have never experienced this. I would have never had so many great friends and the small group and all this other stuff. I wonder if that friend that has been watching your life for years that they've seen how you've handled your circumstances. They've seen how you've pushed through those hard times when you wanted to give up. They've seen other people give up and stop. They've they've even seen other people that's been through what you've went through that's committed suicide. They've seen it. But because you remain faithful to Jesus, they end up coming to know him. Don't quit. You know, the thing that I keep in my mind as I close, and I'm closing, the thing I keep in my mind is that if Jesus never does one more thing for me, he's already done enough. He's already gifted me with everything that I need in this season of my life. I'm not gonna stop serving him. I'm not going to stop praising him. In 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Romans 5.3-5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. If Romans 8.28, which is, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to the called according to his purpose. If that's a true thing, If all things truly work together for good, that means this, is that disappointment is always used for development. If we'll allow it. And I want to end with this verse because it goes on and and that story is not done. And I just want to end with this right here. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. <laughs> They had just experienced the biggest miracle in their life. They had just had a a moment where they was about to have a big payday. (sighs) But in that moment, they dropped it all and they followed Jesus. Because they realized Jesus is the only thing that matters. You might never ever see your miracle come to pass in your lifetime. But Jesus is all that matters. A long time ago, I made a decision in my life and in my home and in my family that I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. I'll leave my family. I'll I'll leave everything that I've ever known to follow him. And I don't regret it one day. There are days where it's hard, you know, but I don't regret it because I realize that He's the only thing that matters. He's all I want. So if you guys would stand with me, I just want to close tonight as you would stand with me. He's all I want. There's a song that we used to sing growing up and it said, He's all I want He's all that I want Jesus is all I want Because He's all I need He's all I need Jesus is all I need. I want to have the ministry team come up. And so if you're here tonight, I just want to invite you. If you're here tonight and maybe you're full of disappointment, you're in a place where you've just been disappointed for so long. You're ready to give up. You're ready to walk away. Just come and get prayer tonight. If you're here and you're doubting, come and get prayer. If you're here and you're on the verge of just walking away and and cashing it in and you're on the shore and you've washed your nets, you're ready to go home, if that's you tonight, I want you to just step out and come and get prayer tonight. Let me pray over you and then. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, if you need to come tonight, if you've been in this place, this season of disappointment, and the enemy right now, is whispering, don't go up there because what's people going to think of you? You went up there all kinds of times. Don't do it. You just say back to him, nevertheless. So God, I thank you, Lord, for being in this place tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, that I felt your spirit here tonight, God, and that I just uh, I thank you, God, for the boldness that you've helped me to preach with, Lord. I thank you, God, for how you've helped me to overcome disappointing times in my life, Lord, and, and to push through those times, Lord. But, God, I just pray over my brothers and sisters that's here tonight, Lord, and I pray that, God, that you would begin to work in their life and work in their heart, God, and that if they're feeling you at all, God, if they just feel that conviction, if they feel you would in any way, shape, or form, God, or if they're just like, man, I just really need prayer tonight, whatever that is, I just pray that you would just come and so God, give them courage, give them strength just to step out and come tonight. And I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.